we were getting to a point with the business where he's like, we really need to look at how we're investing our money, diversifying our assets and for retirement, because being self-employed is great. There's a lot of freedom that comes with it, but there's also some challenges to it. And one of those is, you know, self-funding your retirement. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. All right, guys, I just want to give a quick thank you to all of you who completed the Behind This Day's listener survey. I read through all of the feedback you gave me, and I'm super appreciative that y'all took the time to share such detailed thoughts on what you love about the show and what you think I can do to make it better. Now, there was a lot about the show that you guys love, and I'm super, super thankful for that, but several of you mentioned that it'd be helpful if I pressed my guests a bit more to share a little bit more of the how behind the what that they've done. Things like how much did their projects cost, how did they find the influencers that made their cabin insta-famous, and how are their Airbnbs actually performing as investments. So I've taken this feedback to heart. And I'm going to be challenging my next few guests here to share a little bit more of the nitty gritty of their builds and their their projects. Of course, without you know hurting the integrity of the show, a lot of this show is really a little bit more about the human interest side of Airbnbs. But definitely want to provide a little bit more of the practical how tos since that's what y'all want. Um, oh, and several of you mentioned that you'd like me to share more marketing tips and tricks for those of you who are new to the show. I'm a growth marketer by trade. Um, so I was thinking of doing a like seven to 10 minute Mondays are for marketing segment, uh, like uh, on a weekly basis, where we could talk all things SEO, influencer marketing, copywriting and, and social advertising. So if you would appreciate just a super kind of short and sweet podcast uh, once a week on, on Mondays, again, in addition to, to the, the normal show, let me know by sending me a DM on Instagram, you could just find us on uh, Instagram at, at or just at spontaneous, or you could email me at Zach, that's Z a-C-H at spontaneous.com. So if you want a Mondays are for marketing sort of segment where we unpack a latest marketing tool or tactic, um, I'd be happy to do so. And I think that that could be a lot of fun, but I'm only going to do it uh, if a lot of you guys want it because it's going to take more time and I want to, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it well. So let me know. Uh, All right, guys. So, so grateful for you all. Thank you for being here. And without further ado, welcome to the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Emily South, the creator of the Appalachian A-Frame in Sugar Grove, North Carolina, just 20 minutes outside of downtown Boone. Emily and her husband, John, are entrepreneurs. Emily is a yoga instructor, and John owns and runs a production studio. Given their non-traditional career paths, Emily and John don't have some of the benefits that one might expect from a traditional nine to five job, such as a 401k match or stock options. As such, the couple has talked for years about what their retirement plan might look like, and in 2019, they finally agreed that a vacation home in the mountains would be a part of it. In this episode, Emily talks about how they found their A-frame, despite realtors not wanting to work with them given their limited budget, what they spent to acquire the home, and how they used credit card points to help fund the renovations. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Emily. 
All right, Emily, we are live. Or should I say Hermione, Hermione Granger, um, which is... Oh, is that name. what is coming up? <laughs> That's so funny. That is, yeah, my older daughter changing the name for when she goes on the... She's like a real big Potterhead, which I love because they got her into into reading and being excited about that. That's so funny. That is hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. I was like, oh, is this like your alter ego is, is Hermione Granger? No, I definitely would be a Ravenclaw. Okay. I would not be in Gryffindor. So <laughs> that's my kid. That's my kid's alter ego, apparently. So funny. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like Harry Potter is... So I, I, I was never one of those people that like stood in line, you know? To like get the books or for like right. the movies. Like, I remember my mom always being like, "We're not gonna go stand in line at like you know eleven fifty nine you know p.m. on a Thursday night for the movie right. to come out. You guys can wait two weeks until like we can actually get into the movie you know at, at a decent time <laughs> in the middle of like a matinee on a Sunday and we won't be that crowded." And so we were, I, I always hated it because like anytime the new books would come out or the new movies come out, my mom always made us wait when all my friends got to see or read it. I had and like people would spoil. It. it was like so I annoying i hated that's it. hard we yeah. tried explaining that to her because it's like they're all there the books are all done <laughs> and the movies are all done and we were like no we used to have to wait we would have to wait and it yeah. was this big thing like i remember at least for the last book i remember going to a bookstore at, and waiting in line for a pre-ordered book that it just <laughs> there's something to that i do feel sad that kids today they don't get to experience it's all on like demand that. it's all on demand i know yeah. there's too much it's there's too much, too much. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh well we could talk harry potter all day but um, i know i uh i'm super pumped to have you on the show i've followed you guys on instagram for a while now and thank you i um yeah i just i've been curious to hear more of of your story so i want to i want you to take us back to to the beginning and tell us like from your perspective like where does the story of the app a frame start it starts a very long time ago when my husband and i his name is john i don't ever call him that okay what do you call like I call him Southie. Our last name is South. And literally since we were, we met and were friends in college, not that this matters, we didn't date in college, but like that's, I have always called him that. So if I say that word during this, I'm talking, I'm Southie is, is John. I'm talking about him. But if I say John, he thinks he's in trouble or I'm mad or something. (laughs) Um, So when we were first married, you know, we got married really young and just like every, when you first are starting out, most people don't have a lot of resource in terms of time or money. And for us living in Charlotte, going to the mountains was a very easy way to get away. We could drive. So we weren't spending a lot of money on airfare and things like that. Um, And we just really fell in love with going up to the mountains and going hiking. We had a dog who um, that's actually him back there. He has since passed on, um, but he was like our kid, you know, we got him right before we got married and he went everywhere with us. So that for us getting away was going up to the mountains, hiking, having him with us, So staying places where we could bring him uh, was important to us. And we just really fell in love with the area. And back, you know, we were in our 20s then and said someday it would be so awesome if, you know, we could have a place up here and, and we would have the ability to spend even more time up there. Um, and then, you know, we spent the next 10 years having a family. He started his own business. He is a director of photography. He works in television production. And at that, when we first got married, he was an apprentice for another company. And like a year into that, he decided he would be better off being on his own. And mm. so it was a really kind of big risky move, but that's 
what he decided to do. And it's been the best thing for us, but that's, we spent a lot of time building that business. Um, And then probably I'm trying to think when we really started seriously talking about it, it would have been after probably after 2015, but then we had two babies back to back. So we had one son born in 2015 and one in 2016. Um, so we had our Irish twin <laughs> situation. Um, and but we were getting to a point with the business where he's like, we really need to look at how we're investing our money, mm. diversifying our assets and for retirement, because being self-employed is great. There's a lot of freedom that comes with it, but there's also some challenges yeah. to it. And one of those is, you know, self-funding your retirement down the road. We don't have somebody matching 401ks and yeah. things like that. So yeah that really started to become a a very serious conversation. Um, And I even remember this might be a a reach on a name, but I was very into this woman, Christian or not Christian, Christine Northrup, her daughter. And she had a book called money love. And it was really a fascinating way to look at finances Mm. and just how you can want what you want. It's not about the stuff though. Money really doesn't buy happiness, but it gives you freedom and it gives you options and choices. And one of the like exercises in it was to make a mood board or something about what does, if you were financially free, what, you know, what would that look like? And I laugh now looking back on it, that page had so many pictures of a black A-frame from Vermont on it. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't know who they were, what that was at the time. But I was just like, if I had a slice of the forest where I could go and life would be quiet, I would want to spend time in the house that looks like this. So that I just laugh now looking back on it because that was years ago. Wow. That that place was on the board for that. Um and so I would say probably 2017, 2018, we really started thinking that real estate investing in a, in a property was going to be the way to sort of shore up some of that funds and find some security that way. And we started looking and it took a while to kind of to land where we did, you know, we used to spend a lot of time in Saluda, North Carolina, and I love Saluda, but the houses there that were for sale at the time we were looking, weren't really right for us. And we were a little concerned about uh, location and just factoring in there has to, wherever we do this, there has to be a reason people are going, went back and forth. We're not really beach people. And when you're in, it's surprising to some people, it takes a good bit of time to get out to the coast. Going to the mountains is, is, is a quicker trip. And just with three kids, the business we already have him traveling so much for work, we really needed to hone in on, a certain radius. And so we were looking, we were looking where we ended up, but we were also looking in the uh, Lake James area. People are probably more familiar with Lake Lore. Yeah. We didn't want to end up someplace that was probably already so saturated. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how we started the search and then honing in on the Boone area. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's uh, yeah. like, there's so much uh, that you just said that, that I, I want to unpack. And so I need to be, I need to like choose carefully. <laughs> okay. I wish we had time to cover everything there. Hey guys, Zach here. So over the last year, I've interviewed over 50 short-term rental investors that are building portfolios of all shapes and sizes on this podcast. 
I've spoken with hosts that have 70,000 followers on Instagram, which is one vacation rental, SDR investors that are building niche hospitality brands with a target of 10 to 20 units, and also with property managers that oversee hundreds of units. As such, I receive questions all the time from listeners who want to get started in STR investing and or who want to scale their portfolio on what resources I recommend that they tap into. And here are three reasons I always recommend they check out an AirDNA subscription. First off, AirDNA offers the most accurate data platform in the industry and is trusted by small and large scale investors across the globe. Second, their easy to use tools unlock access to millions of data points on any property anywhere. And third, you can enter any address in the world to find out how much you'd earn as a vacation rental. Pretty cool, huh? So if you're interested in getting into the STR game, or if you're interested in taking your game a bit more seriously, I've got some exciting news for you. AirDNA is giving Behind the Stays listeners 20% off their first three months of any MarketMinder subscription, or an additional 20% off any annual MarketMinder subscription. You can use the discount code BTS20, BTS is in Behind the Stays 20, at checkout. Oh, and if you don't listen to it already, I highly recommend that you tune into the STR Data Lab, which is a podcast hosted by Jamie and Mariah, the VPs of research and marketing at AirDNA. It's a super badass show, and it's one of my favorites in the industry. All right, as soon as this episode is over, be sure to check out AirDNA's MarketMinder subscription and use the discount code BTS20 when you're ready to dive in. One of the things I, I do want to circle back on, because uh, I've, I've been asking folks uh, to give me a lot of feedback on the show and like, how, how do we improve the show and whatnot. And a lot of the commentary I've, I've received has focused on like, hey, it seems like everyone that you talk to like has like all these incredible places and somehow they just have all this extra money and they just like built these like remarkable homes. And like, how like, how do they have the resources to do that? And like, where did they start? And like, people people want to better understand um, how folks are able able to do things like this. And like, what I love yeah. about your all stories, you guys are entrepreneurs, right? You you don't have, uh, as you mentioned, the the benefits that might come from sort of like a traditional like salary mm -hmm. position. Uh, and you guys are looking at this as like, hey, this is in part how how we're going to be able to to retire. Um, but like, how did how did you guys think through like, I, I would imagine, right, like being, you know, an, an entrepreneur myself, I know yeah. how hard it is to like, pay yourself like what you really need when you want to give the business as much as you know the you possibly can because the business is hungry 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 for money right so like how did you guys navigate sort of like what it would cost to to invest in in a property like how did you have a a, a, a like lump sum in mind that you were thinking okay we just want to save until we get to x dollar then we can invest this into our into into a home or like how did you guys think through what you were willing to pull out from what, what what you all are paying yourselves from the business, what the business needs itself, and then also this desire for for a mountain home. Like, how, how did you guys navigate that? Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm trying to make this not complicated. And it isn't complicated. I think the biggest thing to tell people, we came into this and we did not have a huge budget. And by not having a huge budget, we weren't very appealing to real estate agents. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> we didn't have a million dollars to do this. Um, this is the third home that we have purchased together as a couple. And, okay. you know, going back not too far, our first home we bought before we got married and we bought, we bought that, we got married in 07. So I would say we purchased that home in 06 and shortly thereafter, for those of you who are old enough to remember the housing market blew up yeah. and not in a good way. Um, <laughs> and so we ended up being in that home. That home was very much so intended to be a starter home. We would get married. We would maybe stay there for three years, 
make it nice, sell it, and then use the profit from that to move into where would be the family home, yeah. if that makes sense. Yep. Um, and we ended up being in that little three-bedroom, 1,500-square-foot house for seven years wow. because yeah. we just had to stay. We had yeah. to stay, and it was fine. Um, life was really simple. Then yeah. we have a lot of fond memories of it because it was just us for a long time with Charlie, and then our first daughter was born there and was there until she was about, like, two Um we learned a lot from that, though, in yeah. terms of approaching how you buy real estate, taking care of yourself, and that there was a lot of predatory behavior going on in the industry then. And we could have ended up in a lot of trouble, like so many people did. Yeah. Then it would have been very easy to have foreclosed on that home if we had taken um, a balloon or a five-year arm loan. Yeah. And we had we were pretty adamant with them that we just wanted traditional financing. So we got lucky in that regard, um, but we did not make money when yeah. we sold that home. We were very lucky to break even. And just, I think the experience of that and then starting the production company, the stuff you have to buy to be in that business is very <laughs> yeah. expensive. Um, I, I don't like talking about it sometimes to people because I just don't think they understand if you're not in the industry yeah. and we don't have other people, we don't have investors. It's us. Yeah. Like yeah. we're the it's, only people that it's, it's, it. it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're boots. And it's funny. His company is called shoestring productions uh. because we always were like, we do everything on a shoestring budget, but we make, you know, we make it work. Um, and so that I think that taught us a lot about really living within your means or even under your means and have in and saving and being prepared because, and you know, when you work for yourself, like income can fluctuate. It's a, you're really in a gig economy. Yep. Yep. I don't care. I don't care if you're driving an Uber or doing like food delivery or anything like that. It's a gig economy. It's, you hope to get a client base going and that things are consistent that, you know, you can count on, but it's different every month and it's different year to year. Yeah. So I think that just kind of, made us conservative yeah. um, in terms of how we approach things. And for our second and now the A-frame home, when we went into that, we would get letters that clearly pre-qualification letters clearly lining out, hey, these people have financing lined up, ready to go. They're solid. You know, this they're serious buyers, but we would always ask them to make the number far less than what we were qualified for. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what was the thinking there? Just because you, you figured... I, you would have to negotiate and end up spent and spending more or what was yes, your, okay. I think uh, there was a little bit of that. And I was like, if, if we go in and somebody knows, Hey, these people are pre-qualified for a number that was far more than what we wanted to spend. They were going to push us towards the higher, higher end price. of things. Yeah. And so particularly with the A-frame, we went in and we said, this is our budget. And it was a modest budget. We said 250, yeah. $250,000. We're not spending more than that on this property. That's where our comfort level is. Yep. Um, and that was, we had been qualified for more than that, but we just, we didn't want to do that. Yeah. And I don't, I think my approach to debt and taking things on is maybe different than the average consumer or somebody who isn't funding, you know, camera packages yeah, yeah. and well, like and, lenses and stuff and, like and that. And for what it, for, for what it's worth to just to, just to like affirm what you're, what you're saying, Emily is, so my, my father-in-law, he, um, he worked in TV production for yeah. his entire career and he's now retired and he's from Ecuador and he like now he volunteers and he does all these like shoots for people for free and like hit, but like his gear, like literally, I mean, it's, he bought like a new camera. It's like $15,000 for like this camera. He bought this lens. It's like another thousand yeah. dollars. And it's, it, it really is the rate at which technology like progresses in media is so quick that like 
you kind of have to get the latest and greatest. Yeah. Otherwise, you're crap. You know, your stuff looks like crap, right? It does. And so and, it's and so expensive. Behind. And people don't understand. They don't understand the value of video. They don't understand how much it takes, like, actually cost to produce this stuff. So anyways, I just wanted to quickly affirm what you're saying. Thank like, you. I understand <laughs> at least somewhat. Like, even as a podcaster, like, the gear I have to buy is ridiculously yeah, expensive, expensive, you know? Yeah. But um, anyway, so, so yeah. So, and you're, you're, so you're not only, like, it'd be one thing if you both had traditional jobs, right, where you're like, okay, cool, like, and that, and now we're going to have like a, a, a second home that we're going to rent out on Airbnb and whatnot. We, we can make it work. But you guys don't just have like an, an asset in, in a home. You also have this asset that you're building with this business, right? So like, yes. and the business is, is always going to be hungry for more, always going to be hungry for more investment, right? And you're bootstrapping it. Yeah. So you only have so much to give it. So totally, totally get that, that context. Yeah. So that when we came into like looking for the A-frame, I think people, and we had a wish list. We knew that this was a home we were going to want to go to with our kids yeah. and that it was, th th which is a little bit different. Some people buy investment properties and there's no emotional attachment to it. And I think that's great. It probably makes running the business easier, frankly. Um, but this was important to us to have it. He doesn't travel as much as he used to, but my husband is gone a lot. And yeah. so when we are together as a family, kind of guarding that time and really taking care of it, it's very important to us. Um, so we knew the house had to be able to accommodate us and our needs and it is shocking how the world is not set up for families bigger than four. It just mm. isn't like going to Disney, a lot of places you, you're not set up for more than four people. Huh. Um, and so we were in this weird middle ground where we didn't necessarily want a cute little cabin that only had two bedrooms because that was not going to work for us. Um, but we also didn't want this huge house that was sleeping like 10 plus people yeah. because that just wasn't what we were looking for. Um, so it was a little interesting. Do you want to kind of segue yeah, into please, I know please. price price of the house was and so I, you guys spent I apologize now for everyone listening to this because the market is not like this anymore. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I just I hate telling this story now. Um No, no, but yeah, but tell so. us. So tell us tell us so how you actually find the the home. And then roughly like what you guys uh, you guys paid for. It. And then also remind remind me of the year um, that that the purchase happened. Yeah. So the purchase happened in 2019, 2019 in the spring. And at this point, we'd been looking for months and it was very frustrating because stuff was just flying. It, it would show up on the market. And before we could even schedule a showing and get up there, because, again, we're traveling from like two hours away. Yeah. It would It'd go on gone. the contract. It'd yeah. be gone. And it was very frustrating. Then, you know, one time we went out with a, an agent who clearly was annoyed that we weren't looking for much more expensive property. It was a waste of time. Um, so we were like, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to be very specific with people. And we had, you know, search parameters set up. So we were getting pinged and notified when things that looked like they met our criteria would show up. Um, and thankfully at the time, a family member of ours owns a home in the area okay. and they kind of were like hearing the saga of how we just cannot find a place. And they put us in touch with their real estate agent. And she was like, let me do this for you. When you guys find something, if it's in my area, let me go look at it first. Don't waste your time coming up here. She's like, I'll go pre-screen it. Mm. And she happened to have rental properties as well. So she was a little more tapped into the market and like what would, what would serve well for yeah. that. Um, yeah. 
And so randomly on Zillow, one morning, my husband gets this email about this house and he's like, it's not even list. It's not on MLS yet. I don't know what's going on. It's for sale by owner. He's like, you have to look at this. And it's the A-frame. Wow. And I was getting frustrated in the search because I, I didn't want like a log cabin. I'm not knocking stuff like that. I don't yeah. want to offend anybody, but that just wasn't, I wanted something different and something unique. And a lot of the things we were seeing, it was just another house. And yeah. I was like, this needs to feel different. It needs to be special in some way. And so this shows up and I was like, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> what do we got to do? I send it to Maria, the agent. And she goes, she's like, I don't know. This just seems too good to be true. She was adamant with me. She goes, you cannot find what you're talking about for the price that you want it. She's like, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. You would know more than me. I don't work in real estate. Yeah. So she goes by to go look at it and she calls me right away and is like, you have to come up tomorrow because if this goes to the open house this weekend, it's gone. She's like, there's no, there's no way you have, she's like, you have to come tomorrow. So we set it up. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I'm just, I'm kind of a, I don't know if you know, I teach yoga. I'm into like woo woo stuff the day before we're going to go, I'm like out walking the babies and the dog. And I find this huge crow feather, yeah. like, well, I'm in, in the suburbs. I'm not out in the woods or on a trail. I'm on the sidewalk in the, in a suburb near, outside of Charlotte. And I find this huge crow feather and I was like, it's done. Like the house is, I it's know the house is ours. It's a sign. <laughs> like it's going to be fine. So we work it all out. Well, like one kid's in preschool, we had to take the baby with us, our daughters and like full-time school. We go up there. And I mean, like I, we just knew when we got there, it wasn't in good shape, Yeah, but that doesn't scare us. We've all, all of our houses have been um, older, needed fixing up, needed to be made special, such a generic word, but just sometimes like you get these houses and they don't have character yeah. and they need, they need a personality. Yeah. They need, um, they just need to be like infused with life or, or, or a story. And so we don't shy away from that. That's, that's fine for us. And so we just fell in love right away. And I looked at her, I was like, I don't know what we have to do, but I want this house. Um, it was listed at 229, which is already very incredible. I'm, I, again, I apologize to everyone (laughs) listening to this. I know it's not like that anymore. It was for sale by owner. It was a weird situation. He had put this house on the market, but didn't want to close on it for like four months. Okay. That doesn't work. That doesn't, and our agent was, you know, we have to talk to him about this. He doesn't understand that a bank is not going to hold your rate on yeah, your mortgage. For four months. For, for yeah. four months. <laughs> and and we were like, well, what do you, and she, the reason for that was his daughter was using it half the month. She was taking a class. She was in school for something. And so she would live there while she was in school and yeah. then they would just run it out when she wasn't there. And so that it was very important to them that their daughter still had access to the house until she was done with school. Can totally appreciate that. And, uh, and we've just said, well, do you think it would appeal to him if we said she could continue to do that even after we've closed? Yeah. We'll still, we will honor what, our, and because legally in North Carolina, I think if you have rental contracts, you have 180 days, you have to honor them if a property sells. Don't okay. know if that's still the case, but then that's what we were told. And so we just said she can still use the place if we can just close much sooner than yeah. that, you know, yeah. maybe we can make this appealing to him. Would I recommend that to everybody? No, it could have gone really terribly, but they were super honest, kind people. And we got the house for $10,000 less than wow. what they were asking <laughs> because we offered that. Um, yeah. And they accepted our offer right away. We, 
left the house, went to our agent's office, drafted, you know, paid our earnest money, did all the paperwork and stuff. And we weren't even 30 minutes outside of town. And she called and was like, you got the house. Wow. Wow. Um, that is so amazing. It, yeah. So I believe the yeah. crow feather. The it crow was feather. definitely meant to the be. The crow feather. Yes. Uh, now everyone who's listening to this podcast is going to go out on a walk after, or they're probably walking right now listening to the podcast. Then they're all feathers. looking for crow feathers. Yeah. Yeah. No, or pennies, pennies. Pennies from heaven. <laughs> there yeah. you go. There you go. All the signs. I love it. I love it. Um, hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. This is amazing. So yeah, right place, right time for sure. But also like what I love about what what um, what you've shared is like you guys had a very, very specific picture in mind. Like you were like, hey, look, okay, this is what we're willing to spend. We we don't want to go over this. We're not comfortable doing that right now for, for a variety of reasons. Um, but but right, what it also what it also shows is like your your willingness to one be patient, two also still be diligent and looking all the time, right? And then three, right, being willing to entertain a non-traditional you know, close and, and acquisition of a property, which is, hey, we're gonna, we're still gonna have a you know, quote unquote, renter here for for a few months, and that probably delayed renovations that you might have wanted to do and whatnot. And you know, but but what I love about that is it's it's a cool example of being creative with acquiring a space that you know in the long term, like these four months are gonna mean nothing. So um, I I love that. Talk talk to us a little bit about like the renovations that you did do, and so you get this home for I guess like two nineteen. If it was two twenty nine, you got you yeah, know, ten off, which is amazing, yeah. unbelievable. Um, and then how much, like roughly how much did you have to pour into the house? Because one of the things uh, we chatted about a couple weeks ago when we hopped on quickly, is I think you said something like the character of the home that we were going for is like, imagine like going to your grandparents, but it was like a cool grandparents like home or, or something. I don't, I don't want to yeah. butcher your positioning, but no, it was that something was like that. <laughs> was that. So, um, you know, we don't, our, we don't come from families of money. Our parent, like our both of our parent, my dad, I think my dad got his associate's degree, but like our parents didn't go to college. We were the first in that line where they they were able to fund our education. And that kind of is where any family financial support stops. Super grateful for that because we weren't strapped with a bunch of debt. I feel that's an important yeah. part of this conversation and being really honest. We thankfully weren't strapped with a ton of debt uh, when we graduated school and we're starting our lives together. Um, but in that same token, you know, we didn't come from a family where there were like heirlooms or things being inherited. And so part of it for us was, I was like, we want the house to feel like it, it's been in the family for a long time uh, and yeah. that we inherited it. And then 
you know, made it the way we would want it to be. My husband, like I've said so many times, he travels a ton for work. He stays in super sexy, gorgeous hotels yeah. and then complete dumps. And we've traveled <laughs> a lot together. Um, we've gone overseas together. We've we've stayed in rentals that were atrocious and some that were like blew our minds. Yeah. Just um, so we've we've been all over the place and we were like, how do we infuse this space with that feeling. I don't want it to be perfect. There's things about the house that aren't perfect. I could have gone in and replaced every door in that house and like gotten new hardware and all that stuff. I didn't want to do that because I felt like I would be stripping the character and the history hmm. out of the house. So it's not, it's not perfect when you're in there. Um, and I don't present it that way to people. So uh, we were very fortunate. We didn't have to do anything structural. It okay. was all cosmetic. So the first thing we did was we went in and we Marie Kondoed the heck out of that place, which now <laughs> I love her. She's like, I have three kids. I'm too busy to tidy up. Preach, sister. Preach. I'm glad to see that you've changed your ways. It's like, it's changed. Oh, I haven't seen time, that. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, that's it's amazing. It's all over the news. And people are like, how dare she? I was like, she had a third kid. Lay off of her. No one's got time to pick up. Leave her alone. But we went in and it was just, there was like a decade's worth of clutter yeah. in the house. And so that was the first thing that had to go. So that was my... Marie Kondo phase one went in and I think we left the house with 12 or 14 humongous trash bags wow. of stuff that was either getting donated or just had to be pitched. So cleaned it all out, stripped it down. Um, but, and I hated that we were having people rent the house and be in it because it was not what I wanted it to be at yeah. all, but I didn't have a choice. Yeah. I had to honor those, um, those rental agreements. So the biggest thing for us, and I say to anybody, if you're coming into a project and you are on a budget, do not sleep on paint. The paint is powerful mm. and it isn't that expensive and it can completely change the way a space looks. So we didn't even get rid of everything. We bought the house furnished. And while I, we probably did get rid of like 90% of what was in it, okay. there were pieces and things that weren't in bad shape and they actually added to the character of the home. So the biggest expense we had, we had to hire painters because there was no way with three kids and the two of us that we were going to be able to completely repaint everything interior and exterior. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was one thing that we outsourced. Um, and I'm so glad we did because it still took them twice as long as they told us it was going to. <laughs> <laughs> um, which that's, I guess, at it this always point, does. I know, it, it always does. does. It's, it's par for the course. If anybody tells you they're going to get something done in two weeks, they're liars. Just don't <laughs> listen to them. Um, and then light fixtures. We replaced mm. every light fixture in the yeah. house. Light fixtures don't have to be super expensive, you know, um, maybe in like your big key areas that, you know, are going to get photographed a lot. Yeah. You could go a little higher end hack for people. We use our business credit card points to buy gift cards to buy that stuff. Oh, I love that. That's Amex a, treats us very well. There you go. We get access to like West Elm, CB2, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's. Yeah. I've tiled an entire bathroom for free with that <laughs> on points. Um, so don't sleep on that. Like if you have renovations, <laughs> either for the home you live in or a rental property, don't sleep. Yeah. On those credit card points. Um, so those I think were the two like most impactful things we did was just replacing all of the lighting yeah. in the home. Um, and it's weird. The house was built in 1970. So wow. for example, the master the master bedroom, the front bedroom, that suite on the first floor or whatever, yeah. it's not hardwired wow. for okay. light. Yeah. So it, it 
that's weird to yeah. some people. It's interesting. It was weird to me. I've never seen something set up like that. And we were like, well, we'll just deal with it and, and, you know, function the way that it has been. It's fine. There's some uh, nightstand lights in there now for people. There's an overhead light, but I'm doing a bad job explaining it. There's conduit. Yeah. It's all external. I don't yeah. have a better way. I'm not an electrician, clearly. No, um, no, you're doing great. But you're just, doing great. you know, yeah. like working working with things like that that are unique to an A-frame and unique to one that was built in 1970. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the other things. A lot of people ask if we've built it and we didn't. Yeah. Um, it yeah. was built in 1970 yeah. by grandparents that don't belong to us, but we pretend they do. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, I, I a couple things I want to just touch on here. One, I, I want to double down on sort of like lighting because I think I, I told you this before. I've talked about this a thousand times on this podcast, but I spent like a year and a half living full time on Airbnbs. And I like I remember being so impressed when you'd walk into a space and like you had more control over lighting right and like the amount of the amount of times that we'd walk into a home and even if it was like not like you know the world's like prettiest most like instagrammable like space right lighting made all the difference like if you could if you could for example like play with like mood lighting a little bit or like you know you, you had a couple like lamps with like edison light bulbs versus just like you know your your traditional light bulb right if you had a little bit if you had dimmers or whatever it is like i do feel like that's something that makes a huge difference in a rental that again, isn't that crazy expensive. And if people are just looking for a way to to slightly elevate a space and or provide a little bit of unique mood and character to it, lighting is 100% um, you know, something that you that you want to invest in. So I, I like that you brought that up because I don't feel like that's talked about enough. And I have stayed in several places with like weird lighting. And it does like it, 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 it makes the aesthetic of the place just strange. Um, so I'm a huge sucker for thinking for thinking like critically about lighting. And then second, I love how you guys designed this very intentionally around like this like character of, hey, you know, we, we want this to feel like this special place that we inherited, but is also like cool and like has has aspects that are like a little bit more like trendier or modern, but also like the heart and soul of the place is is old is is like has like has like a history to it. And I think that like, again, too often, people don't go in with a, a specific theme or or a specific traveler that they're trying to build for. Um, and, and then and everything ends up kind of just like looking like, you know, the same sort of like Scandinavian, yeah. like modern, like thing that, you know, is all over Instagram. Now it's like, yeah. I love people that take the time to think through what do we want this space to feel like? How do we honor like the heritage of it, but then also apply like our twist to it? And it sounds like that's what you guys were able to do so well. Yeah. Um, I th And I think when we were starting, people didn't get it. They were like, well, what do you like? Why are we? aren't you going to do like mountain theme? I was like, no, because yeah. every, every place is decorated that. like that. Everyone's yeah. doing it. I really feel strongly about like white linens on beds. Yeah. Nothing skeeves me out more than going to a place and it's just, ugh, yeah. I don't know. And that's how I felt when we were in there. It just, they, they weren't running it, um, like a short-term rental business and that, and that's fine. Cause that wasn't the purpose that it served for them. The people we bought it from. Yeah. Um, but that house has had like so many lives. It's been a duplex where mm. the top was rented to one person and then the lower level, the it's a basement, but it's a, it's a walkout. Um, somebody else rented that part of it. I've literally talked to people on Instagram that used to live in my house <laughs> when it was a duplex. Cause it's, it's really a short drive outside of a college town. Um, there was a family who owned the home for 10 years and I've connected with them. And he was the one that did a lot of 
updates to it in the nineties. He wow. did all of the stone on the front of the house that wasn't there originally. Um, there's gas and uh, this breaks my heart. They used to have a mom, uh, wood burning fireplace and oh. it was dope. It was like seventies yellow. Wow. It was amazing. And they, they took it out and that breaks my heart a little bit. Cause I would have worked around that yellow fireplace yeah. in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> but there was a reason they got rid of it. I'm sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, keeping that step, we could have replaced all of the gas fireplaces that are in there. They are old, but I was like, they work and yeah. they're safe and yeah. they're functional. So I think when you go into a property, sometimes you can be really like itchy to just rip everything out and redo everything. And you don't necessarily have to, because sometimes you're strip, you are stripping the character out of a home when you do that. Um, So just kind of, you know, evaluating that, what can we keep? For example, there was a taxidermied raccoon. I don't think it was pure raccoon. I don't know what this thing was, but it needed to go. I was like, you can't stay clearly. You're a problem. We're going to get rid of you. But then they, I found, um, these like deer antlers that were on that were mounted and it wasn't the head. It was just the antlers and they had been like thrown away kind of and forgotten about. And I was like, I can make these super cute. Yeah. We put our hats on it. (laughs) When we go up there, it's like above the coat rack when you walk in. And I was like, I always put hats on that when we're there. I hope other people do too. Like that's what it's there for. Yeah. Um, But just kind of looking at things like that, keeping what you can make work and then Getting rid of the rest, you know, we had a custom table made for the dining area with a local artisan. So that was a way for us to kind of bring character in, but do it in a way that just had a different aesthetic. And we weren't going to have the, you know, the traditional things that you typically see when you're going to a cabin, Um, but then keeping textures in with the textiles. And it's, it's great to do um, a Buffalo check on a blanket. It doesn't have to be upholstery on a piece of furniture or curtains and things like that. Um, so that, that was kind of how we approached it. And it was designed with families in mind because it was designed with our family yeah. in mind and really, you know, people like us who want to stay somewhere that isn't perfect, that isn't too precious where they're afraid to bring their kids. Cause there are definitely places <laughs> I go that they are not invited. You know, I yeah. don't want them to come with me cause I can't trust them. Yeah. Um, but we didn't want it to feel too precious and that people could be comfortable there, but also enjoy the space that they were in. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the approach to yeah. it, I guess. Yeah. I, I, uh, I love that. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. In terms of just like 
how so you guys are you got the home in 2019 we're in 2022 now how or 2023 geez (laughs) (laughs) where's my brain um if you had a baby that's where your brain is yeah but um the, so, so talk to it, like how, how has it performed as, as like an investment property, like today? Is it kind of like where you thought it would be? Is it like, are you guys just like, Hey, we're just burning all sorts of cash right now, but that's okay. Cause it's a long-term investment. Like talk to us a little bit about just like your expectations versus like what reality uh, has actually been like. Right. So I will say the house has exceeded my expectations, but I don't want to give people the false impression that we're just like raking in money because running a rental at a certain level caught it costs money just like we've talked at the beginning of the podcast anytime you're owning a business you want it to perform at a certain level you're gonna constantly be reinvesting money into it um i'm very grateful and thankful for how busy it is um I, you know, we were looking at it and we used air DNA when we were researching locations and properties and trying to figure out where we wanted to land. And like the house did okay, but it also wasn't, it wasn't rented as frequently as we have been. Um, and so that was kind of unforeseen, I guess, when we were first coming into it, I wasn't anticipating it being as busy as is. And it's a little bit frustrating because that feeds into us not getting to use it as much (laughs) as we would maybe want to, which I can talk more about how I'm trying, I have like learned to mitigate that to some extent. Um, and in the first year that there was a lot that happened the first year that we owned the house. So we were on two OTAs to start because it felt like, and that's good advice for people. When you're first starting out and launching a property, you probably do want to diversify your streams of revenue and where you're getting travelers from yep. until you get established. And so that was our approach to it. We did Verbo and Airbnb. Yep. Um, and then six months after being open, the pandemic happened. Yep. And the world stopped <laughs> and our county shut rentals down for a good six to eight weeks, if okay. I remember right. Um, so that that obviously we weren't anticipating that now. And again, when talking to people about when you're looking at making an investment, the home, we could afford the home, whether we were renting it or not. I think that's very important because if your ability to have it completely hinges on other people paying for it, I personally wouldn't be comfortable in that situation. That's a little bit risky risky. for me. Um, Some people don't, you know, other people might not feel that way and that's fine. So we were okay. But the thing that was concerning about it was what my husband does for work also stopped Ah, at that point in time because he primarily shoots professional sports Yeah, and people weren't playing professional sports when that stuff was going on. So that was a little tricky. Um, but I don't think people saw how the pandemic was going to impact travel, particularly to areas like the mountains where it's more out in, uh, the country, more wide open spaces and how much people were going to gravitate towards that in places you could drive to. Yeah. So in a roundabout way, it was actually, I think very good for business. Um, it took, you know, there was a good, I would say a good six months of just trying to navigate it and like pricing, pricing, like beyond what I would do now, like lower, just trying to make it accessible for people, but also meeting the need, the benchmarks. Yeah. We, yeah. Meet the need of travelers and also make sure that like we're covering what we need to. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. And then there were some things 
shot that shocked me that happened kind of within that first year that really helped get us to where we are today. And that was stuff I couldn't have foreseen. And it again goes back to, I think that woo woo approach (laughs) that I take sometimes to stuff in that, in that mood board, like there were things I saw other people doing that I was like, I would love that. I don't know that that'll ever happen. Um, but I think, you know, when you put that out there, the universe will conspire in your favor. And I do feel like that, that was a lot going on. So, and what, what are, what are a couple of those things? Um, oh my goodness. Um, we got in a local print magazine, which is, I would never have even approached them or pitched them. Cause again, I don't, I love that house so much. Like it is so special to me. And the way I physically feel when I get there, there's, there's just something to it. It like my blood pressure drops. I'm just, I'm a much chiller person when I'm on that property, but it's not quote unquote fancy. It's not a luxury home by any stretch of the imagination. So I would not have approached this publication. They reached out to me um, and said, would you be interested in us coming to shoot the place and like feature it? And I thought just on their social media and they're like, if you'll just, you know, comp us a one night stay. And I said, sure. You know, why not? What do I have to lose right now? Um, So that was one thing. And that, that kind of started to get the ball rolling. I think too, like going back to 2020, spring 2020, when life was just weird, we were living there because, you know, we needed to get our kids out of the suburbs and out of our house because we were very constrained. They were doing school online. Um, You know, my husband had the first quote unquote paid vacation he'd had in a decade. Yeah. So we just said, we'll embrace it and we'll go back and forth between the two places. And I, I mean, I remember kind of being like, if this is how things are going to be, we're going to have to offload this. Like there's, we're not going to keep this house. And we were, but we used the time to make the place better. Yeah. We, but we were like, we're going to just improve it, work on some things. There's projects we wanted to do. It'll keep our minds off things and keep us busy. So we're there doing that. And then a local design company out of Charlotte approached me and there it's uh Rachel and Kristen of Holistic Habitat. Okay. They reached out and they were like, we have to get out of the city. We followed your house for a while now. You know, can we rent it and then maybe do some like product shots at huh. the house and we'll share it on our social media. Um, and I was like, to- like, I think I got off the phone with her, like texting her and I broke down crying because it was just <laughs> such a weird, it was a weird time, very stressful. And then to feel seen by yeah. these other female business owners who were really doing like very cool things that in my opinion, that I, uh, admired and was into. And so that happened. That's not something I would have ever thought would have happened. Um, they were very gracious and generous with us. And then some, I somehow I got on Chris and Pam's radar of that dirt and glass. I had followed them for a long time and kind of stalked their social media. And then they said they were coming and, you know, would we want to hire them? And I, uh, I was like, <laughs> of course, I don't know how I, how I'll figure how this out, no but I'll them. figure it yeah. out. I'm not saying no to them. So I definitely hired them. So that's just been real. And then like, just like some of the things that have like, the internet's a weird place. Yeah. Like how, how people find you. Um, I teach yoga and a couple weeks ago, a student came in. He's like, dude, I saw your house on like a, this field mag thing. Did you know about this? And I didn't. So that was cool too. I was just like, so it's just wild how people find yeah. you um, and how things end up. But I, when we first started this, I never 
really imagined that it would turn into the thing that it has. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's been cool for me because honestly, I've been a stay at home mom for <laughs> a very long time. Um, well, you know, at this point, like 11 years, our oldest just turned 12 yesterday. And so wow. she was like a year old when I was like, I, I'm not doing this anymore. I need to work yeah. for myself and just do what's best for our family. And so that, that's been very gratifying and rewarding that it's, um, given me a creative outlet and a lot of freedom yeah. to kind of be, be who I want to be for our family. And yeah. 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 yeah, so I, I, I'm, yeah, I am just so in, like inspired by, but you guys and your story and you're, it sounds like, like from the beginning, you've just approached this with like so much humility, but also just like this, like boldness of like, okay, like we're going to do this. If it works within the parameters that we've set, we're going to really try to make it work within the parameters that we've, we've set. Um, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like we're, we're not going to budge here. And I, I think that that particular perspective and attitude, um, is, is fantastic. And also just like your willingness to be like open to all these new opportunities that end up, you know, the, to your, to your point, the internet is a weird place and lots of really cool, fun things happen when you, you know, trust people, um, to bring people into kind of like your circle. Right. And like, and if you're, if you're open, like great things tend to tend to happen. Um, so I, I'm just super thankful, uh, Emily, for you taking time out of your really busy life to come and, and share a little bit of your story with us. For folks that want to learn more about you, we'll have um, your Instagram link in the show notes below, a link to your website as well. Any other like places that you'd want folks to, to reach out um, or is Instagram and your website the best place? Instagram and the website are probably the best place. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm so thankful for you and um, your family and all the great work that you're doing. Keep it up and um, let's stay in touch. Yeah, thank you so much. And to anybody who was like interested in hearing about that, that's still so wild to me. <laughs> <laughs> Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.